to A Seat at the Table, a podcast bringing together feminism, dinner parties, female friendship and food. I'm Alex, your host, the creator of Spare Ribs Club, an intersectional feminist book and supper club which explores feminism and social justice through literature, art, music and food. Each episode, I invite our guests to take us through their perfect feminist dinner party, three feminist icons as dinner guests, three courses and three tunes being played on repeat. This week, I'm very pleased to welcome Leah Commander. Leah is a loyal member of Spare Ribs Club and moved to London in September of last year, a few days after graduating from her BA in English Literature and Drama Studies from Dublin. She's currently working as a runner and team assistant for an independent creative business that focuses on advertising. Leah loves reading, her guilty pleasure is a good rom-com, cooking for her friends and writing when she has the time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. <laughs> So, which three guests are you inviting over for your dream feminist dinner party? Okay, um, all of these are very strong and on my dream team. So to start, we have Fleabag, the mm -hmm. fictional character. Yeah. I also love Phoebe Waller-Bridge, but I think Fleabag herself would be pretty iconic. Mm -hmm. um, I'd like to see what moments Fleabag would choose to, you know, have her little asides. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know I do. That's a good point. Because, yeah, when you're kind of interacting or choosing Fleabag, you then have to take into account that she is part of this whole universe where she has the kind of, you know, breaks the fourth wall type thing. So um, I yeah. wonder. Um, I mean, I guess it would become clearer when you kind of work out what you might be talking about or what might, what might happen. Yeah, I think I would just, I'd love to watch back on the episode that would be my supper club. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be really really interesting but um I feel like Fleabag would add some good chaos and fun and a good vibe um and then our next guest would be Nora Efron which I know is a fan favorite on here yeah and then I was like oh I know Nora has been mentioned so many times already and I was like should I choose somebody different and I was like Do you know what no this is my dream super club <laughs> to you you know it's loyal to your, to your choices and to be honest I, I wish Nora Ephron was alive so she could know that she's been chosen mm. for multiple um Spare Ribs Club <laughs> parties as a, as a dream guest. Yeah I was just like I have to because I have an emotional as so many people do this emotional tie with her mm. and um it's actually funny because You've Got Mail is, is the film that my mom said when she was pregnant with me that she watched on repeat because I was actually, I'm, let's not go into it, but I was born in Spain. It's a big uh -huh. spiel. Yeah. And it was the one like VHS tape that she had that was in English. So oh. she would just watch it all the time. And now we watch it together a lot. It's like a big nostalgic, sentimental yeah, connection. That's so cute. It's lovely, but also all the other amazing things that Nora Ephron has directed and written and taking part in I'm just like obsessed with everything. <laughs> oh I think that's I mean in a previous podcast um I another person uh Tilly chose Nora Ephron and we talked about You've Got Mail and I said that um it was also my mum's I think one of her favorite films when we were growing up like it was on all the time I don't know if she's watched it recently but um just I don't know it just seems to be a mum's film for some reason. Mm, yeah um, and now it's mine as well. I'm happy to join the mum's club. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, I don't know how old your mum was when she um, had you, 
but my mum was in her kind of late 20s so a bit younger than I think her peers but um I wonder whether it was kind of a you know a young woman in her 20s and 30s and that's the kind of connection I guess of like it's a pretty relatable film perhaps yeah yeah she was like early 30s when she had me so I think that would make sense yeah um because I feel like you know there are those kind of um milestones in you know like pop culture and you know with things that are published around that time that just unite a nation (laughs) do you know what I mean it always happens and I love that I mean I think um if I remember correctly it's kind of no one in that film is living a perfect kind of life like her friends are single and dating I remember there was a whole thing about online dating that must have been new at the time and the older woman who I think is her mum's friend is like single too I don't know or maybe a widow and then Mm. obviously gosh I can't remember the name of the the man she falls in love with who is it uh oh what was the name of the book the uh, joe fox yeah Mm. I actually sound like a fake fan right now because I can't even get um no but he's obviously I don't know it's just kind of about people working their way through life young adults I suppose or kind of not quite middle-aged and that's maybe I like those films so yeah I do as well and I think what I also loved about it was that they own two bookstores yes yes which also is just another level of connection and love and I was like oh I want to um I was on her side and I was like oh I I would love to own like a little independent bookstore one day (laughs) I know and it's such a nice little bookshop as well it's so cute but yeah I I defo Nora I I just she was basically the one I did have a few people that I was like him and hawing about I was just like oh I, I don't know um but she was like my definite um and then like my final was Greta Gerwig um yeah I feel like she would just I mean everybody would but I I would just love to hear Greta Gerwig's thoughts like Mm. with no pause just like I feel like she would go on amazing tangents Mm. (laughs) um and I just love everything that she does like um I'm not sure if you saw Frances Ha that she was in I actually watched that um so for listeners who don't know I lived in New York for a summer um interning there between my undergrad and my postgrad and um I have some family out there uh, who live not in New York but in a state over in New Jersey um and I stayed with them for the first few days to kind of get settled in and stuff and one of them was like let's watch Frances Ha because it's about a woman in her 20s who's in Manhattan uh and I just think that it would resonate with you and um it did it's a beautiful film about yeah a woman in her 20s working out kind of love and relationships in her career and finding some level of success but it's very realistic and beautifully filmed and uh yeah I I love that film yeah it just so comforting or something because I don't really I'm, I'm not usually drawn to things that like have like a lot of perfect characters or like um you know ideal story arcs where there's always a happy ending you know like very traditional and stuff like I love a morally gray character or a character who is genuinely 
going through so many trials and tribulations in the story because that's real life you know what I mean so I, I really do like seeing that portrayed and reflected in film especially you know when you're in your like 20s 30s where in life sometimes you're kind of like will it ever figure itself out am I am I the only one that's feeling like this you're like no <laughs> definitely not so I love that film um, I mean Barbie I can't wait to see Barbie I'm so excited I actually I think um we should do a spare ribs club trip to see Barbie together like, please that'd be amazing yeah a big group of, of like people and I don't know book out a half a cinema and just like, <laughs> that'd be so good I mean like the cast is, as well it's just like so good like so many big names I'm just like wow the budget must have been huge I know <laughs> like massive um, okay so these guests how do you think that they would get on together at a dinner party I feel like initially I was like oh I don't know is this a bit rogue but then I was like I actually think that it would be a really great night of lots of laughs mm. and um love you know um and great conversation um because all of the, the three guests are all in their own way like very strong personalities and they have a lot to say but I feel like they blend an ear to each other and chime in and support one another and Do make not... everyone laugh at the same time Do you know what I mean yeah. they're not kind of like unkind or um attention seeking in that in that way they're kind of the big personalities but definitely are quite kind people I get the impression mm. or yeah. I mean flawed but kind yeah I feel like it would be a very kind of warm vibe like a warm atmosphere that's the vibe that I would get from those guests safe no yeah. that makes sense for sure and and who do you think I guess would be the person that you'd most like to be sat next to? Probably Nora Ephron, just because like, this is my opportunity to, because like she passed away, this is my opportunity to like make that real because you know, someday in my future, I might end up setting beside Greta Gerwig, you never know, but I don't think I'd have the opportunity to do it. <laughs> it wouldn't happen with Nora Ephron. So I feel like that kind of, that was kind of an instant choice. That makes sense. And I think Felix Fleabag and Greta Gerwig would get on quite well opposite each other. Like a house on fire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, and, and what tunes are going to be on repeat all evening? This I found really difficult. Now, the tunes do not flow seamlessly into one another at all. They're pretty chaotic, but I knew I had to get Fiona Apple onto the list. Mm -hmm. um, I just love, I feel like a lot of her music incorporates like such raw feminine energy and feminist rage um so the the song that I chose was the child is gone I just love that song mm -hmm. but like I first discovered Fiona Apple when I was when I actually watched this is 40 with Paul Rudd <laughs> in it I don't know if you've seen that film but like a few of her songs are in it and it was just like this coming of age for me like an awakening which is such a rogue way to get introduced to Fiona Apple but ever since I've just loved her sound and her unapologeticness mm. um and then I have Lauren Hill one of my favorite albums of all time is the Miseducation of Lauren Hill album if I had to pick one to Zion which is a beautiful beautiful song 
Um, and then Pillow Queens, which are actually a band from Dublin, where I'm from. And their song Liffey, we have a river Liffey in Ireland, and it's just beautiful. They're so amazing with their lyrics, and it's just very, I think it would be lovely played in the background. It's one of those songs where it can kind of chill in the background, but then if you pause and actually focus on it, you're kind of like, oh, this is an amazing song. Let me get my Shazam out. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they sound like they actually go together better than you than you think they would yeah probably I feel like I just haven't ever played them together so I was a bit like maybe but this is my chance to do that I mean you could kind of intersperse them with um when I ask that question I don't mean necessarily that you have to have just those (laughs) (laughs) you know when you're hosting maybe that there's like you play one of them like three or four times during the evening because you just it's mm. a song and you kind of it's it fits the vibe and stuff like that. So you could definitely intersperse those three songs with similar vibes that kind of link them all together a bit better. That would make a whole lot more sense. <laughs> those people would probably get very confused if it was literally the same three yeah. songs. <laughs> like God, you're really obsessed with songs, aren't you? <laughs> Okay, so um, everyone's sitting down. What's what's the kind of what? Where is this set? Where are you? Are you at your home? Are you somewhere else? Um, what's the tablescape looking like? Good question. Um, well, I don't think I'd host in my current flat in London because we don't have a dining table. Uh-huh. That wouldn't really be <laughs> ideal. <laughs> um, I feel like I would love like um, because there's loads of lovely intimate studio spaces around. London I um, am in charge of uh, you know uh, helping um, uh, the social team and work mm-hmm. um, to organize some our socials so I, I do be looking at loads of venues in London and I see some really gorgeous intimate studio spaces mm-hmm. probably in East because I live in East mm-hmm. so probably just like a really cute space I love expo- exposed brick that would be lovely to have in the background and then I love of the tablescape to have I love like linens on a table um you know wildflowers that kind of vibe but nothing too pretentious just I think that's all it feels like quite down to earth yeah linens yeah. flowers you well know, I think that kind of vibe. There's, there's guests are very down to earth as well yeah so I think it would be quite cohesive to have it in that sense mm-hmm. And what are you what are you serving um to drink? Okay, so I love water, so we have to have some water on the table. So <laughs> I would hope everybody loves water. Um, but I was thinking about this and I was like, do I want bottled still water? Like what's the vibe? But I'm just like, if you were to ask me what is your preferred water, it's actually the tap water from my grandparents' tap back home in Dublin, which I know sounds really weird, but we live close to the reservoir so the water is so pure it's just the best tap water that you'd ever get so maybe um a lovely jug of that with some slices of lemon in it and um I'd, I'd I would offer some cheap bottles of white wine which I know is not ideal for those guests they probably <laughs> have great taste in wine but I don't <laughs> I mean Nora Ephron probably does but I don't think Fleabag well, I, think. I think would be like oh yeah this is also what my go-to 
exactly. I mean, I don't know about Chris Gerwig. I'm not sure what her drinking habits are, but I think she's she's not snobby. So I don't. Mind. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'd probably be like, oh, these people are all so important to me. I probably should offer them some something better than a barefoot or a gallo. But <laughs> but here we are. This is this is my this is my supper club. Yeah. So <laughs> it's my rules. <laughs> I think you can like um, cart up cheap wine quite well I'm not sure how but and I know look, probably sommeliers would be like no you absolutely can't can't add anything <laughs> especially not like ice and lemon and stuff but I've always found that adding a bit of something <laughs> kind of yeah <laughs> I think that would actually be great because when I was thinking of my my traditions I was like I also found that so tough because I'm a huge foodie but I was like trying to make it maybe a bit summery springy so I was like that might play in with that really well to like yeah you know spring it up a little bit Uh, (laughs) the cheap white you can make sangria as well like white sangria oh I love a white sangria and I feel like I always forget about white sangria I always just go because I don't love red I don't love red wine myself no neither I only really like it when it's in sangria so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I think that's what we'd go with and then I need bread if I'm having a sit-down meal. My favourite bread is from the Dusty Knuckle in Dalston, if you've got it. It's amazing. Um, So I would not be making that myself because, um, and I have no shame. It's like that episode of Come Down With Me where they order in everything takeaway and pretend that they made it. (laughs) I remember that episode. And they like came, the dishes were like coming through the window and stuff from the (laughs) the road. And she was like, yeah, I made this. And they were like, this is incredible. <laughs> I can't remember if you ended up winning, but I mean. <laughs> I can't remember either, but no, I would be honest. I'd be like, look, guys, I didn't make the bread, but you just need to taste it because it's so good. Yeah, and it's it's bad. local to me, so I could go get it fresh. Um, I don't to think have the- I would expect. Oh, I, I don't expect homemade bread when I go to a dinner party at all. I, t- I don't really make bread, so I certainly wouldn't, like, it wouldn't be a given at a dinner party. Yeah, well, thank you for validating me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I'd probably have some, like, really lovely olive oil with some, like, sea salt flakes in there, as well as Kerrygold butter, because yes. it's the best butter. Um, because sometimes I like the option of olive oil and butter, mm-hmm. you know? I like a bit of both. Yeah, they, they mm. serve different purposes. And mm. I presume the butter is kind of room temperature, you know. Oh, yeah. Like, actually, one of my worst fears is when you get cold butter and it, you're trying to spread it on bread and it's just, like, tearing the bread apart. It ruins your day. It does. Yeah. It does. So, oh, yeah, like, I would have, I would ensure that would be the top of my priority list, <laughs> that the bread, that the butter is, you know, a perfect room temperature. <laughs> So you've got delicious tap water, and I love the fact that you said from your grandparents. Um, I think that's yeah. I can imagine it's like that level of crisp water mm. that's just so refreshing. Um, <laughs> a glass of maybe tarted up cheap white wine, or sat or white sangria, or just 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 mm. white on its own. To be honest, mm-hmm. um, and you've had some bread. So what's what's coming up next for your starter? Okay, so um, I am inspired by this restaurant, in, uh, this Chinese restaurant in Dublin called Hang Dai. Mm-hmm. 
their menu changes frequently. Um, but when I went last year, I had this amazing kind of like Asian fusion starter of burrata with like um, a Chinese spiced oil poured on top um, with some Chinese greens, gorgeous alien tomatoes. And it was just the perfect combo of kind of like, you've got, um, you know, the, the pungent Asian spices and then the really creamy burrata because I love cheese. And then you've got the bread there already, do you know what I mean? But I would try my best to replicate that because it's not on their menu anymore. So it just lives in my memory and everybody deserves to try that. So I'd go with that for my starter for sure. That sounds delicious. I'm pretty sure I've seen this restaurant uh, be recommended to me on TikTok because they had an Asian inspired burrata, but it wasn't just chili oil. It also had the kind of that sesame um, chili sauce as well. It was like okay. and yeah. it absolutely incredible. So I'm fully on board with this stuff. <laughs> it's so good. And that's such a cool restaurant. It's like subway cars mm. in the restaurant. It's like, if you ever go, I recommend. I'd love to go. I mean, I'm planning on going to Dublin, so I, for sure, we'll put it on my list. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, and how, how about your main? So again, I'm inspired by an amazing dish that I had from Jolene's in London. I know everybody loves Jolene's, but I actually have never gone for a baked good there. I feel like that's why they're so popular. I haven't touched their bakery section. I've gone for dinner and had nudie. I believe I'm pronouncing that right. Do you know I mean, if I am? A G and an N is new, is nyak, or like gnocchi or nudie. So yeah. Okay, let's <laughs> fingers crossed. Um, but it's basically like I would very incorrectly kind of describe it as a really big stuffed gnocchi. Um, and then inside was spinach amarcada, and then it was in this gorgeous tomato sauce with toasted um, almonds on top. Mm. It was to die for. So I've actually always wanted to make like gnocchi from scratch. So I feel like this would be my time to shine. Um, but I feel like it's just one of those dishes that it's, it's just completely unassuming. It's all about the flavors. It's not about making it look fancy and pretty. It's just comforting and all about, you know, trying to take really good but few ingredients super fresh and make the most out of them and I feel like that's what cooking is all about mm. delicious mm. and then this is so rogue but if I was allowed to have a side yeah, this yeah. doesn't go this also I'm aware it does not go but <laughs> it's my favorite side my Alma, so my my granny um she, they left Germany when they retired and moved to New York, which is a very typical German thing to do. And so her cooking is this kind of crossover. But one of her go-to dishes that she makes is this baked courgette or zucchini or whatever you call it, with in cream with cheese and like um bacon bits. I feel like I'm not making it sound very amazing but it's no, so can, good the flavor is so good no, it tastes good i mean anything with with cheese and bacon and <laughs> garlic like, you know they're they're the top tier of, yeah. of ingredients um but it's just so lovely and you don't need to have a lot because it's so rich mm. but um just a, a little spoon on the side i'm just like you have to taste this it's my favorite thing 
um and if I could fly my own uh, over to help me cook it just to oh. make sure that I got it right that would be amazing <laughs> she could be a, a guest as well if you wanted <laughs> I think that would be pretty cool she has like she... bright red hair she's <laughs> amazing is she um particularly feminist she is she actually went 80 recently and she still works um, she owned multiple businesses and um, she's currently writing trying to write a book at the moment she's a legend she's so cool I think she's she owns a, a seat at the table then for sure yeah oh I love that <laughs> <laughs> she could be head of the table do you think she'd get on with everyone I do think so now the only thing is she has limited English but <laughs> I could try my best to help communicate everything but she's a great presence regardless. Yeah, I think I think you find a way to communicate for sure. Oh yeah, modern technology and all that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what about for dessert? Okay, again, this is a um a nostalgic thing for me. So it's a almond flour and orange cake that I would uh, make some lovely lavender ice cream on the side to go with it. Mm-hmm. But it's really summery you basically boil oranges whole for like two hours and then the room smells incredible and then they're so soft that you can literally just blend them in like 30 seconds and that kind of it's so simple and then you use your almonds and it's really like moist hate that word but it is um is it there's that kind of cake because I think I can like picture it the kind of cake that is super kind of yeah I also hate the word moist but I'm going to use the word moist um (laughs) but quite dense dense it is so yeah so you don't need a lot of it but um it's just oh it's gorgeous it's heavenly it's so it's like my ideal summery kind of dessert I think lavender ice cream paired with it would be just chef's kiss Ooh, I've never had lavender ice cream. But... I love lavender anything. Mm. And can I, lovely. lavender as a scent is amazing. I have lavender, you know, that's like sleepy spray or whatever. Mm. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> spray. So anything lavender is, is great. Yeah, you should definitely try it. Maybe I'll make it and let you have some. <laughs> Please bring it to a meeting or something like that. Yeah. Oh, oh yes, definitely. <laughs> um and you have you been like kind of other than the white wine are you drinking anything else or are you sticking to wine I think to end I like to end my meal with a cocktail I'm not necessarily one who would like to have a cocktail with my meal that's more wine for me so once we're all wrapped up had a, a little bit of time to let our food sit it would be a spicy marg mm. um because they're refreshing and tart with a bit of spice because I love anything with spice so I'd wanted to actually have a little bit of a kick mm-hmm. um you know and I just think that would be the perfect way to end the night I was between this and a whiskey sour because I also love whiskey sour mm-hmm. but it's it's not super heavy um and I just think it would be really um a really perfect way to end the the meal I think so you've eaten your full there's discussion flowing is the kind of conversation centering around feminism or do you think it would kind of have left 
that side of things and and kind of you'd be gossiping or talking about film perhaps and tv that kind of thing I feel like yeah like I, I do definitely think that it would have naturally got gravitated slightly away from it but that's just like how any kind of conversation that I'm at the beginning is focused on something that always kind of moves away from it um but I don't think it would be pushed to the side I just think it would you know kind of like how you could be in a room and talking about something and then you realize oh all of these link some way and like sometimes just me and my friends talking we're like oh we're actually all talking about our experiences as, as a woman or something but like we didn't intend to do that that's just how it links up I feel like it would be kind of like that like they might be talking about their experience and um, with film or tv or like Fleabag isn't is she super aware that she's being recorded when she does her sides is that to you know that's the question yeah. so um maybe about you know their experiences with that how they got to where they are I think is always so fascinating um what they're currently focused on or what was their latest favorite project Mm -hmm. I don't know and then some gossip because gossip not in a bad way not in a negative way (laughs) or like a mean way but in a just like what's going on guys tell us why gossip is um I mean I've read articles about how important gossip is for uh society like um kind of evolution and stuff the way that women particularly gossip is like an, an integral part of building connections and friendships and relationships and that kind of thing so I don't it's a natural thing I mean yeah I agree I don't I hate mean gossip or unkind gossip but you can gossip in a way that's not harmful to anyone mm, and and that's and that's why I think it'd be it's kind of nice to end <laughs> with a bit of gossip just, just because <laughs> I hope by that point of the night we will have all started to feel comfortable around one another yeah um, to the point where we feel like we can have that kind of a conversation because it just you don't gossip with just anybody do you know what I mean I do think it's you've got when you first have that kind of gossip-esque conversation with somebody you're like oh okay so we're friends now do you know <laughs> what I mean so it would be an honor to gossip with those guests I think <laughs> and then how's the night kind of progressing or ending like what time is it ending at Good question. I mean, I feel like maybe if it's going on a, a little bit too long, I feel like it mightn't go. I feel like would one a.m. be a nice? Is that really late? To me, I like I like to go fairly late into the night, but I I also don't want to um go go over too long. Do you know what I mean? I feel like there's a nice point where everybody leaves and everybody's happy. Yeah. Um, before it drags out so I feel like 1am would be really nice because we can just chill and sit and I actually love staying at the table for the whole time I, do. I know some people yeah I know people like to gravitate maybe to the sitting room or somewhere else but I like to stay where it started yeah I think I often find as soon as people move into the sitting room or, or to a sofa or something it automatically the energy kind of like dies almost mm, you, I agree then I think staying at the table means that you're more likely to either want to go out after or you just keep on having like a really good conversation but yeah in my experience I don't know I think because people feel kind of comfortable and like are just more sleepy and then they're more likely to to leave <laughs> mm, it's 
yeah and I don't want to mess with anything do you know what I mean because I feel like by that point of the night it's always it could go one way or the other <laughs> so I want to keep it nice and just comfortable and cozy and everybody can have their margarita in their hand mm. and everybody's loving life and <laughs> um, I mean I think um it sounds like a kind of very warm empowering dinner party I have a feeling that you would maybe want to get onto the topic of kind of like being a bad feminist I think Greta Goig and Fleabag would be particularly mm. good at talking about things that make you a kind of not as good feminist and kind of the, the, your for, uh, shortfallings as like a, a young woman as well mm. yeah and I think it's a really interesting conversation to have so I think it'd be great to just hear the different opinions on that different experiences with it um because I'm like I know that they would say something great but I, I couldn't guess what they'd say if you know what I mean I'd need to actually just be like just tell me because I couldn't put any words in their mouth yeah. <laughs> so I agree I think that would be super interesting and I feel like it's always an interesting conversation but I feel like they would just be like okay crack open another bottle of wine let's get into it <laughs> um do you think you would be talking about literature at all I think I mean to the three guests on myself it's very pivotal you know um Fleabag who started off as a, a character in a play um to Nora Ephron obviously writer screenwriter director all those amazing things and Greta similarly um it's obviously at the core of them as an artist um and I just I personally I love to read plays as well as watch them um and I love reading in every sense of the word um if as I said be it a play or be it a, a book or a short story or a poem mm -hmm. so I feel like they'd be amazing people to have a conversation with about literature mm. um I want to know what their favorite books are and what their favorite genres are like do they do they love a thriller or do they love a good cheesy rom-com? Like, <laughs> I think it would be so interesting to hear. I want to know what's on their bookshelf and what's on their TBR. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women, I, which is my favourite and I love it and I will watch it again and again. Um, I feel like that's a love letter to that particular novel. So I'm hoping that she is a kind of massive reader and maybe Little Women is one of her favorite books possibly um yeah that makes so much sense do you know what I mean because I feel like the amount of love and pull that goes into a, a film or you know um going from a book to a movie and like you have to really think about what do I want to be included and what are we taking away and what are we going to add that's not in the book that's such a very careful thing you don't want to disrupt anything and stuff so I feel like coming from a place of love and understanding of the novel is so important and you could tell that with Little Women very clearly which I just think is so amazing um, but I'd also just love to know like what inspires them when when they write and um, you know because it's not an easy thing to write I feel like some people might think oh you just sit down one day and you're full of great ideas all the time. I'm sure that's not the case. <laughs> so, yeah. What's the first book that you remember reading that kind of 
really started mm. your love for reading like really got you hooked onto something that is now a big part of your life that is such a great question <laughs> I mean like when I was a teenager I was really big into like the, the whole dystopian thing I feel like that was such a big thing at the time because all of like the Hunger Games Diverge and all of those films are coming out but I'm not as into them anymore but I feel like they're a great launch pad for me and um, it was the, like this big community everybody was obsessed but I would say like my favorite book that I always if somebody says oh what's your favorite book what's your go-to book it's definitely A Thousand Splendid Sons by Talita Simi mm. um, and I will never shut up about that book <laughs> um, so that's one that I can just always remember it's always at the tip of my tongue um but yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that like a lot of the books that I read in school, I still remember. Um, and I loved, that was one of my favourite, English was obviously my favourite subject, but um, I read um, Foster by Claire Keegan, which is a novella that they made into that film, The Quiet Girl. Mm. I don't know if you saw it or on Colleen Kuhn, it was also called, um, which had, it was an Irish language film and it was amazing. And I read that in school and I connect so much with books when I read them I cry I'll gasp but it's not great when you're reading it in a classroom <laughs> and I literally broke down at the end of the novel and my teacher's like are you okay and I had to like leave the classroom <laughs> but that's also amazing so for you like um reading is maybe it's much more of an introspective thing rather than a kind of shared you prefer when you're kind of maybe experiencing the book on your own yeah, I think it's, I mean, I know like there's millions and millions, millions of copies of the same book on the shelf, but I feel like everybody who reads that story views it completely differently. Or like, you know, there'll definitely be a few details that's different for everybody, um, which I love. I think that's amazing. Um, and it's the power of great storytelling. Um, so I kind of want to, I love hearing people's thoughts afterwards, but in the initial read of it, I definitely kind of want to keep that to myself and see where it takes me and then launch into great conversations about it afterwards mm. I think and do you feel that I mean how does your love of reading and literature kind of work alongside your own personal feminism do you feel like reading aids that kind of learning about you know being a feminist about being a young woman um, or is, are they quite separate things for you in your life? I definitely do think they do overlap a lot and sometimes it's completely subconsciously. Um, um, but I, what I think for me and what I feel like as how it helps me kind of maybe become a better feminist, if you want to say that, mm -hmm. is that I, it just allows me to... Um, learned so much about other people's stories other women's stories that you know I might not be exposed to otherwise as that's my favorite form of media I guess and absorbing new information so if I don't read the news a lot or if I'm not you know catching all these stories online that's how I'm going to do it and if it's in a memoir or in a story that's inspired by you know another real life happening um, it just allows me to learn so much about different cultures and what being a woman is mm. um, 
in all these different places in the world that I might not get to go to um, and hear all the different voices which I just think is really important so um, yeah but sometimes I do love a book that just kind of you could say has no greater <laughs> kind of meaning to it and it's just a, a lovely great quick and cheesy story but they're also amazing in their own way but and um, but that's why I love reading do you know what I mean it's, yeah. you can choose whatever the hell you want to do but um it's definitely aided me in growing um as a feminist mm. I'd say well I have loved your dinner party the food was incredible I have a feeling that Fleabag will be the last to leave um probably quite drunk and she may have made a couple of mistakes um she might be on her way to make another bad mistake you know she's kind of (laughs) (laughs) I love that (laughs) but uh and I hope that your Oma had a lovely time as well maybe she was the last to leave I don't know she could have been So thank you very much for a a lovely dinner party. I always ask my guests one final question. Um, What are you doing on an everyday basis in a smaller way as you'd like um, to become a better feminist? I would probably say just trying to be more unapologetic Mm -hmm. Um, in, in small ways. I feel like I'm a person who says sorry a lot. People are like, stop saying sorry. And I'm just like, it's kind of ingrained in me. And then I kind of bring it into, oh, you know, this is a room full of very senior, let's say, men in a business. I don't belong here, but I'm actually, actually, no, I also have great opinions. And why not go up and say something? It's like I'm already pushing myself away, like internally, you know, nobody's necessarily doing it to me, but it's saying to myself, stop saying sorry before anything has happened and just um you deserve to have your opinions heard just as much as anybody else and sharing that with my friends when somebody says oh this is stupid I'm like no it's not stupid Mm. and I mean I hate that and because I did it for so long so I guess it's just believing in yourself Mm -hmm. um and yeah just having those conversations that you feel like you're not allowed to have I guess Mm. I mean I think everyone all young women and women in general could kind of stop saying sorry as much as they do I definitely say sorry way too much so that's a great answer Mm. thank you so much uh, thank you for having me yeah thank you